John 20, 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon, P Simon Peter came along and beside him, and along behind him, and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in. Also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and, one, and the other at the foot. They asked, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and called out an Amoric Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went into the disciples went into the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to Well, I've been thinking about it, and I'm pretty sure that this is probably the most ironic sermon that I could preach today. Perhaps you've noticed, if you've seen in the order of worship or have caught wind of it somewhere else, that the title of the message today is simply go. And you probably hear that and think, that's an incredibly horrible and rude thing for you to say to us, Micah. Where are we going to go? We are actually under a stay-at-home order. We cannot go anywhere. Why on earth would you be telling us to go? And so, I, you know, I, I've actually thought about this, and back in March, the beginning of March, whenever I started working on this, it, it made perfect sense you know, the word, to use the word go and to make that the theme of this sermon. But, you know, as, as time kind of crept on and we got deeper and deeper into this uh, quarantine situation, I was starting to get a little nervous about it. And, uh, and so I apologize on that front. And I did think about changing it. But the word go 
stayed with me. And it stayed with me because we don't really need a destination in order to go. We just need the journey. And so I'm not really telling you to go anywhere today. In fact, it's probably best that you stay home, given the conditions that we are, that we are in right now. But I do want you to consider what going might look like from right where you are. And so th throughout this time we have together today, I, I hope that you will consider that, that you will be thinking about that in the back of your heads. Anytime I mention the word go, think about what that journey might look for you, look like for you right here, right now. Because today, as we start talking about the resurrection, one thing that we need to keep in mind is that the resurrection is not an event of stagnation. It's not something that we can just behold and consider doing nothing with. So what does the resurrection mean for us? Because that's what this day is all about. This day is, is entirely about that moment. The fact that the grave could not hold Jesus back. The fact that, that this is how God chose to save us. So what does the resurrection mean for us, even today? Well, I want you to consider for a moment. If everything in Jesus' life had happened just the way it happened, and we got up to Easter Sunday, and we, we went through you know, Holy Week, there was Maundy Thursday, or Monday, Thursday, depending on how you pronounce it. And then there was Good Friday, and then Holy Saturday is thrown in there, and we don't really know what that means. And then we get to Easter Sunday, and there was no resurrection. And Jesus just stayed in the tomb, and nothing else changed. What would life be like today? What would be the purpose? If you ask me, I don't think our faith would have any real meaning anymore. Because really all that we would have on our hands would be a martyr, a prophet who, you know, went through a, an incredible life and did beautiful things and taught incredible lessons, but still just ended up as any other human does whenever all is said and done in the grave. But this isn't just any other human we're talking about here. This isn't just any other ordinary moment in human history either. This is the moment God chooses to intersect with humanity. The moment in which heaven and earth actually meet face to face. It's because of this, the resurrection. It means that neither life nor death nor anything that we could possibly do can ever separate us from the love of God. That is what the resurrection holds for us. Christ rose from the dead to bridge this chasm that we have created to keep us apart so that we might encounter the divine right where we are. Our faith is possible because of the resurrection. Everything we believe in matters because of the resurrection. And in our text today, the followers of Christ are then faced with a decision about what to do with this new understanding, with this new concept that the grave is empty. 
There are two stories that go on in our text that we, that we heard earlier today in, in John chapter 20. Uh, two different stories here. The first is the story of Peter and John. Um, at least we presume it's John. Uh, the book is written by John, and the person, the other disciple, keeps being referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is incredibly arrogant, and one of the reasons why, if you've ever been in Bible study with me, I find some issues with John. But anyways, so we have Peter and, the story of Peter and John, and then we have the story of Mary. Two stories that have the exact same climax, but very different endings. So let's dive into it, refresh your memory a little bit here about what has happened on uh, this Easter Sunday. First day of the week, it's Sunday, okay? And Mary Magdalene, this is Mary Magdalene, decides to go to the tomb to care for the body of Jesus. It was pretty ritualistic, pretty common things, and this is something that Mary has chosen to take upon herself to, to look after the body of, of Christ. And she goes and she gets to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away, and there's nothing there for her to take care of. There's nothing there for her to do. She just finds an empty tomb. And so she runs back. She goes back to the disciples. Really, she finds Peter and John and tells them what she saw. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's happened? Where'd our boy Jesus go? We, we need to figure this out. And so Peter and John end up taking off running. And there's this, once more, another arrogant moment in which uh, John says that he was able to run faster than Peter and gets to the grave first. And John doesn't go in. But when Peter gets there, he goes in and they look around. And it even says that John believed. But then it also says, but they didn't understand that these things were supposed to happen. A horribly confusing moment here. But anyways, they, they see the empty tomb. And then we get to verse 10. And it's probably the most heartbreaking verse of this entire passage. And possibly of the whole gospel story. We get to verse 10 and it simply says, Then the disciples returned to their homes. And that's it. They witnessed the empty grave, the, the linen that Jesus was, was wrapped up in, laying there, and they just returned home. And remember that they've been with Jesus for the past three years, and Jesus has been telling them that this was supposed to happen, that Jesus, that he had to go to Jerusalem, was to be, uh, was to be horribly uh, attacked to be crucified, to die, but then that he would be raised from the dead. The disciples have heard that story who knows how many times, but yet they get here, and even in verse 9 it says, yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Come on, guys, you've been with Jesus all this time. And so the disciples return home. And that's that. And they kind of end their journey right there. But then there's the second story, the story of Mary Magdalene. And I, I love thinking about this Easter Sunday through her perspective. That in this moment, 
she, when she first gets to the tomb and she sees it empty, she's freaking out. She doesn't know what, what's going on, really. She's trying to piece all of this together. She's still in horrible distress and grief because she has clung to Jesus ever since he saved her life, quite literally. And she goes and runs and tells the disciples to try to get somebody to help her figure this out. And they just return home. And she's watching them go through these motions here to look in the tomb, to have no explanation, and to just return home. And so, starting in verse 11, Mary stays there at the tomb, weeping, crying. Because her Savior, the one whom she trusted in, is gone. And, and she's not sure. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe he was... Uh, you know, taken away. Maybe somebody came and moved him early before uh, they were supposed to. Maybe someone came and stole his body. You know, whatever might be going through her head. She's freaking out. And she's not happy with this. And while she's weeping, this person comes up to her and asks her, why are you weeping? And she thinks that this person is the gardener, which is, you know, very confusing. Uh, because here in just a minute, we find out that this, this person is Jesus. Why on earth she doesn't recognize Jesus? That's a whole other thing I would love for us to get together and talk about sometime. But she thinks he's the gardener, and she asks him, where have you taken my boy to? I've been looking for him. And Jesus says to her, Mary. She, he calls her by name. And she turns to him and says, teacher, it's you. And Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and sisters and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Two different stories with the same climax. They both both Peter and John and Mary Magdalene witness the empty grave. But two different endings. On the one hand, we have two disciples, those two, two who were in the inner circle of Jesus who probably knew him best, just simply return home. And then we have Mary Magdalene, a woman who in Jesus' day really had no status, no room to talk at all, but she's the one whom Jesus appears to, and she's the one who goes and spreads the gospel message first. Two stories with the same climax, but different endings. And on this Easter, and really every Easter, we are faced with the same decision. Do we simply return home, or do we go? And this is, a, this is a, a very real thing that we need to take in for a moment here. Jesus has never once forced anybody to do anything. Jesus, just, Jesus has always left open the option for people. In fact, we take this all the way back to Genesis, into the Garden of Eden, and the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is present so that humanity never has to do anything that they don't want to do. They always have the choice. And Jesus offers this same choice on Easter Sunday. 
Now remember, Peter and John knew that Jesus was supposed to be raised from the dead. They've heard that. And yet they still just return home because they have that option. Because they don't know what else to do with this Easter message that they've encountered this day. What else are they supposed to do with this? So they just simply return home. But Mary Magdalene, whenever she is faced with the Easter message, the gospel, and Jesus says to her in verse, uh, in, in, in verse 17, go to my brothers and sisters and tell them. She then chooses to go. So staying home has its own implications. This is a choice we can make. On this Easter Sunday, whenever we encounter the Easter message, the gospel message that Christ has risen from the dead for our sake, we have that same option to just simply stay where we are. And I'm not, just, I'm not saying that, you know, on this Easter Sunday, which is particularly curious because we kind of have to stay at home. That's the state mandated order, stay at home order. I'm not saying that we, that we are kind of stuck with that decision because that's the only option we have. I want to put this into perspective. Staying at home simply means doing nothing with the gospel message. Just returning home means that these disciples have nothing else that they are going to try to put forward with this gospel message. They are simply going to look upon it and try to go back to normal life. And that's really what they kind of end up doing here in the next chapter. We get to see that they actually do just kind of return to normal life for a minute. And that's an option that we have, that when we hear the gospel message, we can say, that's really nice. How about that? That's really sweet. That makes me feel happy. We could even have this beautiful reaction to it. That's incredible. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. This is what this is all about. But then if we don't do anything with it, if we just hear it and take it with us, then there's no real point to it. Because the Easter message isn't something that was just meant for one or two or three people. It was a message meant for the world. And so when the disciples, when they choose to just simply return home, that's it. That's, that's their decision of what they want to do with the Easter message. But there's another choice in all of this. The choice that Mary Magdalene makes. The choice to go to tell her brothers and sisters about the good news. And so Mary Magdalene becomes the first evangelist. The first one to go into the world with this good news and tell people what she has witnessed. And to sp start spreading it. She's made her choice not to just return home because that would have been easy. It would have been really easy for her to just say, yeah, Jesus, okay, cool. And she just goes back home and she just kind of sits with it and treasures that and holds on to it and clings to it. And she's like, this is, this is really my personal faith. You know, this is something that's happened for me. This isn't something that I really need to share. It's, it's personal. The gospel's not a personal message. It's an interpersonal message. It's something that was meant for every single ear to hear so that every single knee might bow before the resurrected king. We have the choice. Do we simply return home or do we go and take this message to the world? 
the world which needs the hope of resurrection. If it's not for people like Mary, then the world will never know. Consider that if Mary hadn't done that, if Mary had not gone back to the disciples, to, to uh, Jesus' brothers and sisters, as he calls them, and told them about what had happened, the Christian faith would have never gone further than the first century. That would have been like the cutoff point there. Because the other disciples, they just returned home. They returned to normal life. They go back to fishing. But because there are people like Mary in the world, who take the gospel message to others, then the gospel starts percolating throughout all of time, throughout all of space, that it might be known by all. And so whenever I start saying, go, and whenever I start talking about the world, I want you to remember that Mary Magdalene didn't all of a sudden buy a plane ticket and fly off to, you know, some developing country in order to start telling them about Jesus. She goes right back into her hometown to the people she knows best to tell them first. So whenever I'm saying go, I'm not trying to say this is the moment in which you need to go ahead and buy a plane ticket because they're cheap right now and fly off to, to you know, the four corners of the earth and start spreading the gospel. If you feel that call, then that's great. But that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying it starts right where you are. Perhaps with the people who are right there in your own home. Perhaps with the people who are right there at the end of your street. Either way, this is the journey which is before us. And like any journey, we have the choice to either go or stay home. But Christ is calling us to go because the world needs the hope of the resurrection. And so my challenge for us today is that we choose to go. That we choose the harder option. The option which is a little more uncomfortable. The option that means it's not about us. It's about Christ. And maybe that means, you know, maybe you shared the link to this video as a way to invite people to church because we can't really come together. Maybe it means whenever we do start coming back together, you start inviting people to church. Maybe it means that you just simply find the person you're closest to and start talking about Jesus together. Maybe it means you find the person who needs the most help that you can think of right now, and you show them what being Christ looks like. Either way, the choice is yours. We can choose to either stay home or go. The two disciples who knew Jesus best chose to stay home. Mary Magdalene chose to go, and because of her, we have the gospel today. And so let us not be content with a comfortable and easy life, thinking to ourselves, I don't really have to be the one to do this because somebody else will. There's somebody else who's more gifted to share the gospel. So I'm just going to stay right here where I am and let somebody else handle that. Let us not be content with a comfortable and easy life. Let us be willing to share with 
all, with everyone we encounter, that love which overcame the grave for us. Let us go to the ends of the earth or to the ends of our street to declare the good news to all. Let us be the people who choose to face this journey and go. To go with the gospel. Take to the world this message which is not stagnant, but it is about life and doing and going and movement. Let us be the people who, like Mary, take the gospel to the world. And let us pray together.